Visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie. So up this hour we have a music program for you called Just the Classics, hosted by Catherine Wei this week. But first join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, August 12th, and in the studio we have Shirley Lin. Hello. Paula Chow. Hello. And I am Natalie So, and we'll be talking about baby sea turtles who were found in Kanding recently, and also a new Taipei Music Center that is going to be opening soon, and Tainan begins trial run of self-driving buses. There's also a big debate over whether you should choose a second-rate college for a hundred twenty thousand U.S. dollar scholarship or a top university. Those stories and more coming right up. Okay, I'd like to hear about the baby sea turtles. This was actually quite a find in um, Kanding recently. Usually, um, well, it's it's breeding season for sea turtles, and usually they are found in the outlying islands. But um, just this past weekend, there were two dozen that were found in Kanding. So they were found on Sunday night. And you know that it's actually very dangerous for sea turtles to be left out in the sand too long. They could um, die from exhaustion. Yeah. And they couldn't find their way to sea because there are too many lights yeah, from the like, hotel. Right. So that's the main reason that there's not too many sea turtles near Kanding because there's so many tourists. Right. So when the resort officials, and they're really cute, look at that, they fit in the palm of your hand. I know, oh, they're so really tiny. Cute. Think about, you know, the way they have to travel so far on the beach because they're so tiny. It's a long trek for them. That's And if true. they can't find the ocean, you know, they'll die from exhaustion. I can see that. Luckily, some of the um, beach resort employees found them. They called the park officials and veterinarians and whole crew of people came over to rescue them and uh, to find as many of them as they could. They found two dozen of them um, and they checked them for injuries and, you know, weighed them and make sure that they're okay. Then they led them back into the sea. Yeah. So that was a happy ending. It seems like it's been like, what, several years, the last time they actually found baby sea turtles, um, or rather, you know, turtles breeding um, down southern Taiwan where where they found these sea turtles, because um, there's, the, the beach is usually like, you know, packed with tourists and everything. You can't, they usually avoid beaches like that. They would f find those that are not inhabited by people. So they would find beaches that don't have that many people. And not, you know, like contaminated and, you know, too much traffic and all that. Actually, apparently that when these sea turtles, if they come, they find one place, they'll probably keep coming back for the six or seven years after that. And so we want them to keep on coming back. So um, now the authorities are telling people, tourists to not to like, you know, um, if they've been on the beach to kind of 
clear it out, clear out the place where they were, and take away all the garbage they have, so that it would look like the beaches, you know, not being. It's free for them to right. Their yeah, eggs. That yeah, it's, they should right. be cleaning up after themselves anyway, right? Yeah, but they say that you know, like you know, like you know, um, fill the pits that you you leave there oh. and all that kind of stuff, so that they will feel like you know nobody has inhabited this piece of beach or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, it's only the second time that they were found in Cunning National Park since 2017. I know, yeah. So that's not exactly. very that's often. That's not very often. But actually, these days, the outlying islands, which is where they usually are, are filled with tourists. Oh, you know, they usually yeah. go to Green Island or Shaliocho. Oh, maybe that's why they came back to Kanding. Maybe because I mean, you know now it's more crowded over at those beaches and uh, over at these uh, outlying islands. Yeah, there's about. What ten thousand tourists coming a day? I mean, it's really crazy. <laughs> it's really and those crazy. Those very small islands. Some some of the islands don't even want them to come anymore. It's like <laughs> stay home, <laughs> even though you're spending money here. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's interesting, but it's it's really cute. When I went to Shalocho Island. They were very protective of the sea turtles there. Mm. You're not allowed to touch them, mm-hmm. which of course is against the law. So you actually saw them too? Yeah. You, oh, you did. So when we went there, there's a really nice bay. Well, actually, they're all throughout. You know, the, the coast of the island, you can see them coming up for air because uh-huh. they have to come up every two to seven hours, I think, to yeah. breathe. So, so you saw a lot of them? But we went snorkeling just oh, to see them. Oh, so, oh, you did? Yeah. So what happened was... Um, we Wait, go, you mean baby sea turtles or the adult ones? No, adult ones. Oh, okay. Not baby sea turtles. Yeah, all right. Well, maybe you there were, but I didn't see yeah, them. Didn't they're see too them. small. They're too small. <laughs> <laughs> so they're very protective. You're not allowed to wear sunscreen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh. um, you're not allowed to do anything that might contaminate the waters uh-huh. there. Of course, no trash and everything. So they take you out to where they are, and it's very deep, actually. And, and so what they do is they give you a um, lifesaver that you can so hold on to. So you went scuba diving? Snorkeling. Oh, snorkeling? Yeah, so it's actually very easy. Oh, so but like, when you said deep, I thought you've got you It's pretty scuba. deep. Like, if you, oh. it, you know, if you look down, it's pretty far down. Oh, my gosh. So You can hold your breath that long? No, because you have a thing to breathe oh, with. Oh, you only watch it from the from yeah, like near the surface of the water. Floating on the surface of the water, oh. holding onto um, a lifesaver. Okay. So like there's four people per lifesaver, and then he strings along maybe three lifesavers. The coach. Oh. And every step of the way. He's, you know, teaching you how to do everything. And he's taking pictures every step of the way, which is quite amazing. Like, of you what? guys or of the turtles? Of us, of the turtles. turtles. So you have like tons of pictures when you They're come such back. expert. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, wow. um, and those pictures are very effective for marketing. I put them on Facebook and one of my friends took her friends and said, we're going too. You know? <laughs> so, so that's how it works. Show us like, the picture wow. next time. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, I know that they're very protective of sea turtles in oh, Shaolil Cho, which okay. is, you know, important. Yeah. So, and they're found there. They're, you can see them all the time over there. It's really uh, nice. Oh, wow. But it's, it's really quite um, unforgettable to swim with sea turtles. Mm. Something I recommend doing if you're ever uh, in Taiwan or want to um, go to the Outlying Islands. Okay. Naroa Naroa Na Ia Na Io Ya Ia O Idini Kumai Baiwana Kanatar Tu Lengao The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International
to hear about this debate over a top university versus a very big scholarship. Okay, um, two high school um, graduates got accepted by um, National Taiwan University, which is um, Taiwan's flagship university. However, they decided not to go to NTU. Instead, they they have decided to go to a second-rate or a third-rate university in the central city of Taichung. That's simply because that university gives each one of them 3.6 million Taiwan dollars. I mean, that's a scholarship or about 120,000 U.S. dollars. You know, to put that in perspective, it doesn't cost that much to go to college here. It may be Taida and NTU costs what twenty thousand a year or something. Right. I mean, it's it's very cheap to to go to college comparatively uh, in Taiwan. Mm. So that's like okay. So they they're making a lot of money. I mean, they don't need that much money to go to college. Right. That's a major scholarship. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Of course. And some people said that's a good idea, and others said you know they are you know these two students are short sighted. You should you know, if they got accepted by Taiwan's top university, they should go to. You know, they should go to that university. And also because um, that university's um, facilities, professor, in general, the quality should be a lot better. And then there are supporters. Supporters say, yes, you should go to the, the second-rate university. Just think about this. You know, even NTU graduates are not able to make 120000 U.S. dollars, not just within one year. Probably it would take them four to five years to, to, make, the same, yeah, to make the same amount of money. <laughs> So, and there are others, um, they said, well, it really depends on what you are going to study. It depends on your major. If you are interested in literature, liberal arts, you know, social science, and it probably doesn't matter where you go because mm-hmm. you can always, you know, these subjects are easy, easier for them to handle. And then, you know, some people say, well, you are just, um, this is not a good idea because just too short-sighted. I mean, the college experience is really great. You know, you shouldn't give up that top university simply because other universities give you a a scholarship. Do you know what major they were studying? I don't know. Yes. What I, would you guys do? Well, okay. <laughs> Here's my take about this because my example is not about going to college, but it's about going to like the top high school, girls high school. Now, Taipei's girl, um, Taipei girl high school, right? You know, it's all the top students in all the other elementary schools that go to the first girls high school. And so you're competing with everybody else, like nobody, like everybody's first or everybody's second or third. But compared to if you were to go to a, a secondary or uh, less um, prominent school, you're probably going to be top in the class with your kind of grades. You know what I mean? Like she, whoever this person was eligible to go to first girls high school, but then she chose to go to another school and she will be top in the class because with such high grades. But whereas in first girls high school, everyone's the top in their school. You know what I mean? But yeah, sure. It's a I different would, experience. Yeah, it is. Because well, it would be less pressure. You know, I think for, well, that, I think high school and college is also different because when you apply for school, they look at your college degree more than your high school degree, right? So yeah. it's probably more important. But I would think, you know, what is that degree worth to the person? Is it, and what is the ultimate goal is, is to find a career, right, that they like. So how much is that degree going to help them in that respect? If it's, if it's going to help them achieve their goals, maybe, or if they really want that prestige with them all their life, right? Well, if they don't care and they think they can make it without an NTU degree, then maybe the money is, is a good deal. Right. And maybe they even end up being the top in the school that they, they go to, even though it's a secondary school. Actually, now, uh, there's 
the joke going around is like, even if you do have an NTU degree, you don't necessarily get into a really good job or a top job at a top company. That's true. I think that once you start working, a lot depends on your abilities as well. Mm. So what do you think, Paul? You're a supervisor. (laughs) I mean, what do you think? I don't know. I guess if I were in that situation, if I'm desperate for money, then I would probably choose the second rate or third mm-hmm. rate university. But if financial, you know, pro- it's, it's not, not a, a it's not a problem. Then I would probably choose NTU. Mm. It really depends on you know your financial situation yes. as well. Because it, it really is the top. It's like saying Harvard or a school that no one's heard of, right? So right. Um, it depends, right? It depends on what you need. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, though. I think um, it's a lot of money. So I think those universities are, they're trying to build a reputation oh, for yes, themselves, right? Yeah. right. They fight to for recruit these, good students. Fight yes. for these top people. And then when they become famous, they're like, oh, she's from Asia University. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Okay, Shirley, you have a story about a 94-year-old Coach, mm-hmm. that's pretty who's cool. still coaching. Um, we're talking about the Yonghe Elementary School in New Taipei City. So, 94 year old basketball coach, his name is Luo Yu Biao. He's actually older than many of the grandparents of his students, but uh, his passion has never diminished over time. And he really knows how to demonstrate shots and dribbles and everything, and his movements are really very precise and very smooth. He was born in 1926, and he's been coaching for over 67 years. And many of his students have gone on to become professional coaches, but also, you know, professional players as well. Oh, he used to be a coach for military basketball teams. And for the past, like, 40 decades, he's been focusing on teaching children, which he thinks is really a lot more enjoyable. And he said, he's saying that the reason for that is that children are very easy to mold. Um, they're also very, they have, they're more, they're, they have more simple mind and they're willing to learn and they're more hardworking than older students. And the great thing about him is that he teaches the basic basketball moves. And it's actually this uh, focus that sets him apart from other coaches. You know, because uh, one of his former students was saying, uh, who's now a head coach at some university, um, the Jianxin University of Science and Technology, he's saying that teaching the basics is really important more over than anything else because building up fundamental skills, which is the richest asset that coach law can give anybody. And another head coach at the National Taiwan University of the Arts, he was saying he admires law about his ability not to feel pressure. Because a lot of times, a coach, they experience pressure because they want their team to do well and to win, you know, and, and that usually is a mentality that's really unavoidable. But coach law is very different. He doesn't let this pressure get, over, get, get to him. And he just, he just focuses on training, the basics, you know. And um, he's saying that uh, he still has not tired of the sport. And um, in his free time, besides coaching, He's still also playing on a senior's basketball team. Wow. <laughs> he, he, holds his, uh, he holds the title of being the oldest player. 94 years old, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, if you really keep up exercising and your body is just agile and everything, you can really be healthy and still continue to do the exercise that you normally do or sports that you would do when you were younger. I mean, at this age, a lot of people will probably just stop, you know, their... They can't even be on on the court on on the basketball court, but but I th- I believe that people nowadays are living longer, and they're they're staying healthier because of all the high tech 
in medical science. Well, you also have to be like him. You have to be out there exercising a lot. Exactly. And that's pretty high impact exercise. It's not like, you know... Yeah, swimming or something a little bit, you know, less. That's true. Less you know, it's easier to, water. to get injured. Yeah, but it's amazing he has that uh, stamina and energy. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> you can okay. start now, Paula. <laughs> you know, just like you know, doing some stretches so that your body can be more agile and flexible. I think it's really important, though, and also like weights. At our age, we should be doing weights, but because um, we need muscle. Otherwise, the older we get, you know, the the less muscle we have, we need the more easier, bone density too. Yeah, bone density, and you know, we can get sick more easily without muscles and all that. But um, this coach he's he said when he was asked when he's going to retire he says he doesn't have any plan to retire yet (laughs) he said as long as he can move he's going to keep on teaching basketball that is so cool and i think we should have that kind of mentality i mean we've heard of 90 some year old running marathons right and what else um but anyway i mean i hear about all these people who are still 90 year 90 some years old and are still healthy and still going strong i mean i hear that all the time so I think people are facing more longevity now. But I, I, I don't know. You have to know what to do with your life as you grow older, you know. You have to be active not, like he is, Yeah, too. you need to be active. should not sitting home all day long, that kind of thing. That well, won't think, do it. I think he offers a unique perspective, too, right? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't get uptight whether you win or lose. I mean, he's yeah. probably... He's been through so many games. It's like, that's not that big a deal anymore, right? right? Yeah, the important thing is team spirit, right? In, and in learning discipline... I think if students, you know, like players can learn that kind of mentality, I think that's great. They can do well on on a court. Yeah. And in a game. That's cool. Under pressure. So let's uh, think about him when we uh, need to (laughs) to work out, huh? (laughs) Right. Hey, Paula, you have a story about um, a guy who's been abusing our medical resources. Tell us about that. Right. Well, Taiwan is known for its national health insurance program and also our excellent health care system. But in the central county of Nanto, there is a guy, a middle-aged man. He has abused Taiwan's health care system over the past few months. Think about this. Whenever he's drunk or whenever he is in bad mood, he will make, a, uh, make an excuse and call the ambulance to send him to the hospital. And he has done that for 15 times what? from mid-May um, to early August. Free of charge? Free of charge. Yeah. So yeah. this is horrible. I mean, think about this. Taiwan has very limited um, medical resources. And uh, this guy lives in the township of Poli. Um, that place has a population of 80,000. So only that town uh, only has two ambulances. So this guy actually, you know, he abused the system. Because, mm-hmm. you know, for a town of 80,000 people, it's really, they, um, firefighters and medics are really busy. But this guy, he will, uh, you know, he has all kinds of reasons. He will call and say, oh, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I have a stomach ache. I'm going to die. And then, now the question is, is it possible for the medics, for uh, the, the ambulance to say no to a drunken man? Because mm-hmm. they have known him, I mean, for... Right, they right. know yeah, this, this guy has this a guy bad is. reputation. But the problem is, medics say, say they can't say no to this guy. What if one day he is really he is in serious trouble and we don't go to pick him up? And what if he dies? And who is going to take that responsibility? 
So that that's a serious problem. And this guy, he he used the, the ambulance for him. It's like a free uh, taxi, and it's also free trucks whenever um, the ambulance arrives and they um, picking up. He, um, this guy will bring all his you know like personal belongings with him. Huh? And when they send him to the hospital, and he refused to pay the medical bills, and he is rude to uh, healthcare workers, he shouted. Oh, and sometimes he was trying to hit them, and sometimes the emergency room call a, a policeman, but there is almost nothing they can do about it. Now, this he's not the only person in Taiwan who abuses Taiwan's medical care system. However, other cities and counties are trying to find ways to stop people from abusing, abusing the system. system. Well, yeah, they right. should probably, you know, charge him yes, for, yes, for use of right. the ambulance or or for abusing people too, right? Yes, Find him. Yeah, it's not his it's taxi. It's not acceptable, right? It's not a taxi. I was thinking that if he has any family members to tell them to take his mobile phone away, all kinds of, you know, phones away from him so that he doesn't, can't call the ambulance or something like that. They should find a way. <laughs> they need to find a way. So did you guys know that um, the Taipei Music Center is going to be opening up next month and it aims to become um, an Asian pop music icon? So it's opening up in Nangang. It's going to have separate concert and exhibition halls, music classrooms, rehearsal rooms. They want it to be a hub to um, encourage new artists and a venue for pop music performances. Um, so a training center, it, it can seat over 6,000 people. It should be pretty exciting. Hmm. Are you guys going to check that out? Wow. Not, not far away from where I live. Yeah, and it uh, has an outdoor plaza that um, can accommodate 3,000 people. And they're going to have um, a free outdoor concert on September 5th, the first day that it's opening. And um, so that should be pretty exciting. That's funny. I, I don't think there was much, much publicity about this, you know. Well, there's one month away, but um, okay. yeah. We're oh, telling wow. you about it. <laughs> also, something else that's been happening, and this is kind of exciting too, Taiwan is um, trying out its self-driving buses in the Southern Taiwan Science Park. So they're already starting. And during the initial phase, which is the first three months, there are going to be no passengers. So they're just going to be a driver. Test driving. Yeah, just there just in case um, they, they need them to take over and drive. So if everything goes smoothly, then after three months, they're going to start, you know, picking up people. Yeah. There's going to be like, a, would you go on a driverless bus? You know, we've been taking the driverless, um, what is it now? One of the MRT lines anyway, right? The blue line, is it? That's different though. There's like a, a track, right? It's different than going out in traffic. Yeah, but there's nobody on the, you know, it's oh. all like remote controlled, right? From the control room or something like that. I didn't know that. Yeah. The blue line? I mean, the blue line. I mean, if you get the very front first car, you you can directly see in front of you. There's nobody oh. there, no driver there that's driving it. Would you guys go on this bus? Oh, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after one or two years. <laughs> oh, that's a long time. <laughs> we have to trust technology, okay? Yeah, that's High pretty tech. cool, though. I think Taiwan is on the cutting edge yeah, and, definitely. Uh, of technology and a lot of things. All right, well, thanks for joining us for Here in Taiwan. I'm Natalie So. I'm Shirley Lin. And I'm Paula Chow. Stay tuned for Just the Classics.
What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm. What do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. The Sound of the Amis Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to Just the Classics. I'm your host this week, Catherine Wei. Just now, the song you were listening to was one of Mando Pop's, or Mandarin Pop's, biggest classics, Bad Boy by Ame Zhang Huimeng. Ame has been dominating the pop music scene in Taiwan since the mid-1990s, and she was dubbed the queen of local pop almost as soon as her debut album came out in 1996. But what is the queen of local pop doing with English lyrics in her Mandarin song? This is a trend I want to talk about today, something I hadn't noticed until an Irish friend living in Taiwan brought it up one day. Taiwanese artists are so into weaving English into their songs, but why is that? He'd asked me this, so I did some research. It began in the early 1990s. This trend most likely began with a show called Wu Denjang, the Five Light Awards, Taiwan's OG singing competition television show. Ame came to fame through this show, but our story begins with three young men who performed on stage in 1991. Brothers Jeffrey and Stanley Huang and their cousin Stephen Lin all were then in their late teens. The three were raised in Southern California and wrote their rap songs with big dreams of making it as rappers. They flew back to Taiwan one summer to compete on the show and dressed in bright baggy clothing started breakdancing on stage. The audience was floored by this new way of dancing so different from disco or ballroom dancing. Local producers invited the three to produce an album under the name The LA Boys. They shot to fame almost immediately, attracting many fans with what Taiwan hadn't heard before in mainstream pop music. Hip-hop and the use of American slang. Here is their song LA Heartbreak in their second album Jump, which came out in 1992. Listen to the crowd of 
my girl yo hui Saw a super fly girl reaching up to me Damn, reach down to shake her hand, grab the wrong one Scream! At the end of my hand, what's a homo? Oh no, bam, then I knew it was over Looking all over for her, I felt the hand grab my heart As it started to part, could it have been? Nah, it must have been her about girls that are super fly and about vodka on ice. Things that Taiwanese people have never heard in songs before. Now, the LA boys are good friends with a man named David Tao, more popularly known by his Chinese name Tao Zhe in Taiwan. David is one of the biggest names in Taiwan's Mando pop circle. Like the LA boys, he's also Taiwanese-American and is the son of the late Taiwanese singer Tao Dawei and Peking opera performer Wang Furong. David flew back to Taiwan in 1993 to pursue a career in music, and his self-titled first album came out in 1997. While the LA Boys disbanded that same year, David kind of took over with his own style, mixing R&B with hard rock and popularizing R&B in Taiwan. What the LA Boys and David also had in common was their love for using snippets of English in their songs. David especially liked crooning about love, and I credit him with really spreading the use of the word baby in Taiwan's love songs. Here's the David Chow classic, I Love You, I Han Jin Dan, from his first album. Wang 
渐发现自己已深深爱上你，你真的很简单。爱的堤岸，天黑都已无所谓，是是非非无法抉择。Funny how David unintentionally reinforced this trend of using English in Chinese songs in Taiwan. Here's where a group called Tension comes in. Tension is an R&B and acapella boy band whose five members had either grown up in the U.S. or in Canada. They were discovered by David Tao in a talent show in Los Angeles in 1998. David Tao offered them a record contract, which sent the boys into Taiwan's pop scene as the second Taiwanese American group after the LA Boys that made a big splash. Tension also used English in their songs. Keeping it sweet and simple, so their Taiwanese listeners can quickly catch on and memorize their songs. 
We're starting to see a trend here, right? These artists are all raised in the US or Canada and move back to their parents' hometowns to launch their music careers. Let's give tension a listen. The song is Crazy About You from their first album, Smart, which came out in 2001. who took the same route in the 1990s include Coco Lee and Wang Li Hong. Let's talk about Coco first. Coco Lee, also known as Coco Lee Bun, is not Taiwanese-American, but made her big break in Taiwan as one of the first Asian-American female pop artists to enter the local market. She's Hong Kongese-American and started her singing career in Hong Kong before expanding it to Taiwan in 1996. Coco produced songs in Mandarin, English, and Cantonese, and of course blended Mandarin with English in many songs. Like the LA Boys, she often sang parts of one sentence in Chinese, sandwiching a couple of English words in the middle. 
This preference of hers later became popular with both young and old in everyday speech in Taiwan, too. This is Coco's song So Crazy from her 2001 album Promise.
After Coco, we can't not talk about Wang Lihong, another big name in the Taiwanese pop scene. Wang Lihong was born and raised in Rochester, New York, to Taiwanese parents. He was offered a record deal in 1995 when he was visiting his grandparents in Taiwan over the summer. And he's made a name for himself with his special style of mixing hip-hop, R&B, and traditional Chinese music, including Peking Opera and Chinese Orchestra. Wang Lihong is probably the biggest fan of mixing East and West in his music, and this is also apparent in his lyrics. I like to think of this as his way to explore his Taiwanese-American identity. This is his song, What Was I Thinking, from his 2003 album, Unbelievable.
Today, it's near impossible to find a pop album produced by a local artist without at least a little English scattered through the songs. Thank you for listening to my shallow dive into how this trend came to be. I'm Catherine May, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.